and welcome to Seafood News Podcast, brought to you by Erner Berry. I'm your host, Amanda Buckle, and here with me today is a very special guest, UB Seafood Market Reporter, Angel Rubio. Welcome, Angel. Hello. <laughs> Hi. So uh, we've had Marketing Assistant Nicole Christie with us for the past two weeks, but we're switching things up today, and uh, Angel's going to be um, chit-chatting with me today about some exciting stuff. Uh, what we're starting off with is... Red Lobster's new plan. Um, the chain is launching some kitchen upgrades and uh, doing a couple small plate dishes, and it's hopefully going to kind of reset their, uh, you know, their look and hopefully boost sales. So what they're doing is they're um, adding delivery and online ordering to, uh, you know, their services. And they're also adding tasting plates, which is different from an appetizer in that they're trying to get like a, a happy hour crowd in, which I think is pretty interesting because I don't know about you, but when I think of Red Lobster, I don't really think of going to the bar and having whole drinks and having some appetizers. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> but no. I guess this is what this new menu is for. So like they're adding things like um, uh, the petite Red Lobster roll. And loaded seafood fries, which I think actually sounds pretty good. It's it does. It's French fries <laughs> with clam chowder on top. Yes. And even the CEO's name, she was saying, is like it's like poutine. They're throwing that. The poutine is like French, like fries in in, in, in Canada, which by the way, I, I I like it a lot. And I think this might be a generational thing. So it might be a, an approach from Red Lobster to appeal to a different crowd or you know everybody wants to appeal to millennials because to be honest most millennials when they think about red lobster it's like okay let's not go there yeah well actually i think that's an interesting point because millennials there's a, a couple of stories and like studies that came out in july that said millennials are actually killing chain restaurants exactly yeah. and i don't know if i fully believe that but like their claims are that you know we're cooking more at home and you wait are you considered a millennial i am a selenial which is like between generation x and millennial uh, I did not make the cut. I did not make the cut. I'm 35, and you know that's that's exactly where the where the cutoff is. That's 34. So yes. Oh geez, I'm sorry. Mm. So <laughs> well, I'm my group is uh, is. So you are a millennial. Then. I yeah, I guess I'm a millennial, mm. but I don't really consider myself a millennial. But anyway, these my group of people, I guess, is uh, you know cooking more at home. Um, they're doing delivery, which I never do delivery because I don't like answering the door. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then they're also turning to you know the the, the quick chain restaurants, sure. which I think is pretty interesting because you are seeing like a, a big spike in the growth of you know restaurants like Captain D's and their quick service sure. chain, and maybe this is exactly what Red Lobster needs. This is this is definitely. I mean, I don't know if this this is what they need, but they're definitely aiming for that, and. Um, I was just recently at a presentation in Tampa with Colleen McClellan from Data Essential, who was definitely talking about the, the demographic changes and what appeals to older generations and what appeals to younger generations. And they made the case that traditional plates, which are what, what can we relate to Red Lobster in the past, are more for older generations. But now with, with, with these changes, it's almost like if they were having like tapas, you know, and yeah. everybody's like, well, not everyone, everybody, but everybody at least knows now what tapas is. And yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go have tapas. And, and then they're, they're trying to aim for smaller plates, different uh, approaches. I mean, this is, this is also sort of like an ethnic 
change, like not ethnic change, but like uh, changes in, 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 in traditional Italian or traditional... That's uh, true. I, I guess it's, it's, they're following trends, essentially. Absolutely. I mean, pot stickers, stickers in the, or, or, you know, or dumplings in the 80s or, or, or 90s or poutine, which is, you know, sounds French and people, you know, will be like, yeah, <laughs> nothing French, please. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other interesting thing, though, is that they said that they, um, so like they redid their kitchens, too, and they're saying that they weren't cooking their, yeah. their crab and lobster properly. And they were saying that they're, they were previously putting it in an oven and it wasn't delivering the quality product that they wanted. This is like a direct quote from, from CEO Kim Wattrup. Yes. Um, and I, I think that's actually really bold of them to admit. And they said it dries out the product in ways that makes it not seem fresh. And they said that now they're they're using crab pots and lobster pots and they have the water at a specific temperature. And I, I mean, I think quality is definitely, it's expensive to go out to eat anymore. And if I'm, I know I'm going out to eat, I want to get something that... Yeah, we demand. The new, and, and not only newer generations too, but everybody, everybody else, you want to get what you're paying for. Yeah, um, I could cook a mediocre fish dinner at my own home. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yeah. go out and pay for it. <laughs> yeah, but imagine cooking, you know, cooking lobster or crab mediocrely. You're like, no, you've got to mm-hmm. make more effort into doing that right. I'm paying, you know, upwards of twenty dollars for lobster, right? Yeah. So, so but so. it's worth. I mean, it's worth the price tag if if done properly. If done properly, of course. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, a 890-pound bluefin tuna was sold at the final New Year's auction at Tokyo's famous Tsukiji. Am I pronouncing it right now? now? I don't know, but Tsukiji. I think so. Yeah. Uh, fish market. <laughs> so it was sold, This, like I said, it's 890 pounds. It was sold for over $323,000, which is just a shocking price tag. But what I think is really cool about it is that this fish, like I said, sold in Tokyo, has made its way to New York City and you can get it in your sushi dinner. Right, though. That's one expensive poke bowl. <laughs> oh, uh, exactly. Yeah. So that's there's a little twist here. Is, uh, the restaurant, so the fish was bought by the Onodero Group, which they have like 11 restaurants in seven cities around the world, London, Paris, of course, New York. Oh. And so their location on Fifth Ave they're saying that they're not charging extra for this very special, you know, this famous bluefin tuna, but they already have like an insane menu because they serve in an omakase setting, which means that the like course selection is handpicked by the chef and uh, they don't have like prices listed online, but people on Yelp say, and they say it's worth it, but they say that, you know, lunch can range from $100 to $150 per person and dinner can reach up to $400 per person. Wow. <laughs> what can I tell you? I don't even think I've ever had a, a, a dinner that expensive ever in my life. But For this famous fish, do you think it's worth the price tag? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if, uh, if I'm a buyer and I, and, and I have a, a, a client dinner, I would very much take it. Oh, but yeah. again, I've never had it. But they, I've heard of people that have had it before that say that it's absolutely spectacular. Like it's an experience, not necessarily only a, oh, it tastes great. It's like, wow, no, this is yeah. like, amazing. Like it's that. not even like a, a price point. It's just an experience. It's something that you will have, you know, counted or maybe just once in your life. Yeah. So. For me, it would have to definitely be once in a lifetime. <laughs> if, but uh, yeah, yeah if, if you have ate at this restaurant and you tried this $323,000 Blue Fantana, reach out to us. I want to know what, how it was. Oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, and finally, Anhel, do you want to wrap it up for us with what you've got? So uh, a couple of uh, months ago, we um, we had an article or like a small blurb on an Argentinian trip. This has been an item that has been gaining, I don't know if I should say popularity, but it's definitely gaining more market share in the U.S. This shrimp is it's a pink shrimp coming out of Argentina, but the, the numbers, at least the numbers from the U.S. census have shown that we are importing a lot more, but meaning like, a, you know, Upwards uh, at the moment, for instance, we have t- we have imported through through, through November twenty four point six million pounds. That's up from seventeen million pounds last year, and eleven million pounds the, the year prior, etc. So it, it's been a growing market. However, it has come to our attention that some of these numbers might not be accurate. Um, again, these are official numbers. It's not like like we tweak them. We, we got some numbers through July from Argentina saying that we've only uh, or that they have only exported to the U.S. about 2.6 thousand metric tons, which uh, is about 5 million pounds, which is not even close to what the numbers of the U.S. Uh, the U.S. Census uh, is reporting. Now, what we found, I mean, in, in, in theory, if Argentina sends... Uh, shrimp, say, to China or Thailand or Peru or anywhere else for processing, and it, and it's not transformed too much, per se. That this, so you're this, saying like without it being like deveined or... Exactly. Okay. If it's not, exactly. If it's not uh, transformed in a larger way, then that code... That would actually would count as an import from Argentina to the U.S. or an export from Argentina to the U.S. However, this is rarely the case. Most of this most of this product actually goes to these countries for further processing, and when these countries export to the U.S., meaning Argentinian shrimp processed in these countries and exported to the U.S., it can only be one country of origin. And we've seen numbers out of China and out of uh, Peru search dramatically from last year. And I don't see, well, I mean, it could be, or uh, it's open for discussion, and we would like to hear what you think about this, obviously, is that whether some of these numbers are going up from these countries, from China or Peru or Guatemala, uh, that it's, uh, it's because of Argentinian product being processed in those countries and then ultimately ending in the U.S. But that would still wouldn't account for the actual surge in imports that are reported by, U- by the U.S. Department of Commerce or uh, uh, by DHS code that is re- recorded at, at customs directly from Argentina. So we would like to hear what you guys think. While I do question the numbers, I try to look at the numbers first, see the trend, and then question the numbers. Not necessarily say that the numbers are wrong because the numbers could be right. And we have seen that a lot of these numbers are actually not that off. Uh, maybe by, by some margin of error, but, but I... Wouldn't, I don't think that these numbers are necessarily wrong, but we'll see. Um, please come back with some comments. Great. Thanks, Angel. And uh, that's it for today. But before we wrap up, I just want to remind our listeners that uh, we will be heading to Los Angeles. And by we, I mean Erner Berry. We'll be heading to Los Angeles for the Seafood Import Workshop on February 8th. That's a Thursday. So if you want to find out if your seafood business is compliant and prepared, Uh, with all the latest federal regulations. Definitely check that out. Seats are limited and we are running out of space, but if you go to um, earnerberry.com backslash SIW, 
Um, you can find more information there. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Monday, and we'll be fresh from GSMC. So maybe I'll have Angel join me again, where yeah. we can talk about what happened down at the conference in Miami. All right. All right, thank you.